This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism, and I am thrilled this morning to be speaking with two folks from Next for Autism. First, we'll be hearing from Patricia Wright, who is the uh, responsible for program development at Next for Autism, and we will also be hearing from Brad Walker, who is the Vice President of Community Living Support. Um, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation both about the background of Next for Autism and its history and, and probably its future, as well as a focus today on community living supports, uh, including the need that adults with autism are facing in terms of living and residential supports. Uh, this, as most of our listeners know, is a big topic. We talk about it frequently because it is such a challenge facing so many people and their families. And so I'm really excited to hear what you all have to say about that. So Patricia and Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much for having us. My pleasure. Um, okay, so Patricia, we're going to start with you. I'd love for you to um, provide us with a background on Next for Autism, you know, how it started, why it started, and then bring us to sort of present times, and then maybe we can move to Brad to hear a little bit more specifically about community living support. Yeah, I really, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of talk about Next for Autism and the work we've done. Next for Autism was founded, gosh, I guess, 17 years ago, uh, and it was founded by two women, Eileen Lehner and Laura Slatkin, who continue to be very involved. Eileen is the current president of Next for Autism. Laura is the board chair of our organization, and these women um, both have uh, sons with autism, and they wanted to improve services and support for their children, but also for the greater population of people with autism. So upon the founding, uh, they decided Decided, you know, our mission is to change the landscape of services and support by designing, launching, and supportive, supporting innovative programming. And we've been able to do that over those 17 years. Great. Um, I have, yeah, I... I I have been aware of various aspects of the program. I remember at one point, I think, coming to a, uh, visit a, a charter school um, that I believe was part of this, and, and I've come to various uh, events where I've heard Eileen certainly speak, and the passion is, is clear, and I think so many organizations that have become successful in terms of advocacy, awareness, program development, um, legislative change, like so many things that really needed to happen over over um, many years, um, really are are often turns out founded by parents um, who who I think have a very unique and a very particular way of affecting change because it is both so personal and also I think what strikes me that you know what you said about both Eileen and Laura that the focus was on their deep understanding of why things needed to change and what services were not available that needed to become available but it was went beyond for their own children and really the impact the desired impact was to affect many more. So I just want to reiterate that because I think that's an important part of the, the founding kind of message. So Patricia, can you give us a little bit more specifics, though, in terms of how, like, give, just give a few examples of, of what goes on within Next for Autism. What are, are there different program areas? Is there, a, are, is there a focus completely on uh, serving adults? Is there an advocacy yes, component? I- 
I will say yes to all of those. So, um, you know, we have, uh, you mentioned the charter school. That was actually the first program that was designed and launched, um, and it was in Spanish Harlem and in collaboration. That's one of the uh, primary kind of, uh, we kind of think about it as our work. We like to partner with people that leads to program sustainability. So mm-hmm. that program, we partnered with the Department of Education in New York City um, to launch a charter school that served individuals who were more affected by autism. And then that charter school is called the New York Center for Autism Charter School, continues to be operational. And then two years ago, a second charter was opened in the Bronx, again, serving low resource families. It's a, a charter that's available to any um, any student uh, with autism in the New York City school system. And that was, again, that was kind of our first uh, step out of the gate into this work. And then since then, Next for Autism has developed and launched programs as our mission states. We've worked on something called the Project Search Autism Enhancement, supporting youth, uh, young adults, to engage in an internship. We work in partnership with the ARC Westchester and New York Presbyterian Hospital. And so we work in partnership with them for a year-long internship program. And I'm just going to share this statistic because I think it's a pretty wow of people who are familiar with employment and autism. Over 80% of the graduates over the last seven years of that internship program are gainfully competitively employed. Wow, um, that is a wow. Right? Right, that's yeah. a wow, and those are the data we're looking for. We don't, we you know, we don't want to do anything halfway, and so mm-hmm. uh, so we, you know, that program. We've also uh, started in collaboration the Center for Autism and the Developing Brain, which is committed to diagnostics and treatment, um, and that is also uh, in the Westchester area in New York. So you know, we've kind of sequentially developed these programs over time. The Charter School, Project Search Autism Enhancement, CADBE, we've done some recreation leisure programming, and then the one you mentioned, our Next for Neighbors, to talk about today, trying to tackle the huge issue of community living for adults living with autism. Wow, the whole thing is a wow. That's um, so I I go back because I've been with Anderson for now. It's going to be coming up on I think fourteen years. So within my first six months of being here, which is my first entree into the autism community as a professional, um, I went on a field trip and I went to Spanish Harlem and I went to see um, the the charter school, and I got to to just for a little while just do some observations because I was you know it was something that we we um, I think had had reached out and were invited. To, to come for just to, just to see how um, how that was working. So it's wonderful, first of all, to hear that there's a second one that's opened as well. Um, I want to also go back to the Project Search Autism Enhancement Program. Again, to underscore that more than 80% of the graduates of this internship program are gainfully competitively employed. For anybody who doesn't know, one of the significant obstacles, I think, to furthering the level of independence that adults um, with autism can enjoy, which is obviously very impactful for their quality of life, is is gainful employment. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. Many uh, young people who find supports and ways to get through a college experience, we find then graduate and cannot put any of that hard work into play because they have not had the opportunity to practice the so-called soft skills that often are very integral to uh, maintaining employment, even if you have the skill set for the job that you're looking for. 
So can you just um, quickly, maybe before we take a break, and then we're going to get right to you, Brad, and we're going to hear all about um, community living, can you just give some examples, Patricia, of why you think this particular internship, the Project Search Autism Enhancement Program, has been so successful? Because those are numbers you don't hear every day. Sure. I think one of the reasons it's so successful is we built off of the hard work of others. So Project Search is a program that has, gosh, over 600 sites across the world that has developed a quality internship program that has resulted in meaningful employment for individuals with developmental disabilities. In partnership um, with Project Search, we developed an enhancement, just like that says, working on some of those really kind of component skills that are so difficult for people with autism that you just mentioned, right? Those soft skills, thinking about how you engage, how you receive feedback, some of those critical skills that allow you to gain and maintain employment that are missing for people with autism because of the nature of their disability and their social and communication challenges. And so I think that working with Project Search building an enhancement, and then, of course, we have just an incredible team of professionals that have worked on this project and have, you know, replicated it and are demonstrating um, demonstrating success. So, you know, we really uh, are committed to kind of best-in-class programming. That's fantastic and quite a model. Um, so congratulations on those outcomes, and I wish you the best in terms of continuing that. Um, we do something here at Anderson called uh, Autism Supportive Environment and Autism Supportive Community and, and County Training. Um, one of which, uh, the focus of which is to help the business community understand the, the often small um, things that they can do to make their businesses more welcoming and accessible for people on the autism spectrum. And a, and a growing request that we're seeing is for us to have a focus on employability, you know, and what we're seeing, thankfully, is an eager uh, business community who's starting to really understand that there are folks, um, I mean, the statistics now are 1 in 54. That's the name of this show. There are a tremendous number of people who are seeking opportunities to be gainfully and successfully employed um, who can do really great work. So I love that there are organizations such as Next that are filling the gaps that have thus far been really challenging. Great to hear. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, um, Brad, it's going to be all you, um, and we're going to hear from Brad Walker about the Community Living Supports Program and how you guys are impacting um, another serious challenge, which is adults with autism and their residential um, and community sort of uh, circumstances at this time. So this is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder, and we'll be right back. If you live, work, or frequently visit the Hudson Valley, you've probably passed by the sign for Anderson Center for Autism countless times. Have you ever wondered what our award-winning educational and residential program is all about? Well, let me shed some light. Ours is a place where evidence-based practices marry creative solutions, where students with autism learn how to communicate using whatever modality works best for them, where they learn independent living and vocational skills in nurturing environments, where their families enjoy visits full of special moments, where Professionals come from all corners of the globe to obtain high-level training, where staff build rewarding careers, and where people develop lifelong connections. Learn more about our work optimizing the quality of life for people with autism by visiting us online at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Or schedule a tour by calling us today at 845-889-4034. 845-889-4034. 
Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And today I am talking with Patricia Wright and Brad Walker, both from Next for Autism. So Patricia and Brad, again, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having us. You're, you're welcome. Um, Patricia just gave us in the first half of the show a really great background kind of um, on Next for Autism and uh, where you guys are today. And I think for the second half, um, Brad, I'd really love for you as Vice President of Community Living Support to share with us, I guess, the work going on um, around the, the uh, need that adults face in terms of residential supports, um, community supports within the ASD community. Um, and uh, so I'm just going to give it to you to, to start us off, and I'll probably have some questions as, as you move forward. Thank you, Eliza. It's great to be here. I, you know, I think from the perspective of community living, uh, some of the things that I immediately focus on is has been the, the progress of, you know, trying to work toward having um, individuals with autism uh, and co-occurring dis- uh, disabilities be able to um, fully encompass and be involved in their chosen community. Uh, just as I choose to live in a town or a city, uh, promoting that choice and that control to be able to navigate their lives and to have experiences and to build relationships and to have connections uh, with um, the organic locations that all of us choose to go to, if it's a coffee shop or to a favorite restaurant, and to build connections throughout those um, relationships is really important. Uh, what we find is that with community living, uh, and, it's, and this is true of uh, New York, is being, uh, you know, the options are largely congregate living arrangements. Um, they've, you know, I think a lot of states have worked toward having uh, what they call non-certified settings. Um, and non-certified settings still provide um, a certain amount of um, monetary resources, and then they offer some regulatory oversight uh, but what has happened within New York with non-certified residences is that it's largely something that they refer to as self-directed services. And those services often place the burden on the um, immediate family. And then uh, they're navigating and hiring their own staff and trying to work with um, an agency maybe to provide services and background checks, but there's a large um, expectation that the family needs to navigate to you know, coordinate services, which, you know, we're skilled, you know, as, as community living providers and uh, feel like that we have kind of an expertise, if you will, um, in that arena. And it can be very challenging even from our perspectives. Um, the alternative in certified residences or certified settings is that, like I, I mentioned, you have congregate uh, arrangements, which means, you know, they're living with four, six, eight, ten other people in a large home with a rotation of staff that come through uh, and, uh, you know, the turnover of those individuals is high, which diminishes the ability for people to connect to those employees in some cases, um, that there is a challenge with meeting um, the intimate needs uh, of really learning um, you know, purposefully with being able to dedicate time individually to someone uh, to develop real skill. There's kind of a cross competition um, for time. And if you're placed um, as the quote unquote the next best option um, with a group of people, 
where some have, you know, more exceptional skills in areas to be more independent versus somebody who may display more problem behavior, then the person with problem behavior may likely get, you know, pull more of the staff attention. And uh, their their housemates may not be able to um, achieve their own personal goals and, their, and have their own needs met because they're competing against someone who has more substantial issues. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you've outlined a lot of um, the challenges, as I was saying before. I mean, this is, this is, this, some, some, might say about those options, you know, well, there are options. And it sounds to me that you're, that there's a big but coming or however from you in terms of maybe there's a different option. Um, because I think you've pretty clearly outlined what's there, um, and what's emerged and also a lot of the challenges. And, and I do hear the same thing from families. Self-direction, let's be honest, on paper sounds pretty good to a lot of people, um, but you've kind of pulled out some of the things that can be very challenging, which is the reliance on immediate family members who might at various times in their lives be prepared for that level of responsibility, but life circumstances change. Um, and then that agency piece in terms of HR and finance um, and hiring and, and even terminating somebody who isn't working out, that's not something that everybody just sort of walking around in their daily life has the skill and, and, and ability to do. And then the congregate living, which I'm very familiar with because Anderson runs many um, uh, group homes for adults throughout our surrounding counties, um, I think that there are organizations that, that do this very well, but you've also identified some issues that, um, you know, uh, are just there by nature of employing that number of people on a rotating um, schedule, and um, and yeah, one of the one of the things that throws our, our families for the biggest loop often is when uh, a staff person has or a team member who they're referred to here at Anderson um, has formed a really strong connection to their loved one, and then that team member moves on to a different position or. Um, you know, may just change for any variety of reasons, um, mm-hmm. it can really, you know, you, you feel that loss. So, mm-hmm. so what's next or what's needed and how do we, you know, what, are, what, are, what is next for autism doing um, to try to mitigate this? It's a great question. And I, the, the, the effort of Next for Autism is um, working in an area that is, has been is commonly known as shared living. Uh, and shared living is replicating a family style of living. And that is, you know, being able to um, uh, intentionally match individuals with autism with a professional family. And this is, these are, these are individuals who uh, have experience in the field um, that we're able also to supplement their training and their professional development, um, specifically with environmental supports and, and learning processes specifically tailored to um, an adult with autism's uh, uh, style of learning uh, and being able to place them in uh, what could be very much a typical family home uh, and they're paired with one to two um, individuals they and they mutually share that home. Um, it's not one person's home or another person's home. It is, uh, you know, um, a mutually agreed upon arrangement and that we're able to um, empower everyone to have a representation and, and an empowerment of, of autonomy within that within that home and within that arrangement. We we utilize something called uh, the professional family teaching model, 
And that is uh, a set of outcomes that helps us monitor through a training process and a certification, a professional certification for the, any employee that's in that home uh, to achieve certain outcomes uh, related to relationship building, um, learning opportunities, communication needs, um, empowerment for choice and control, monitoring legal and personal rights, um, and of course, monitoring health, the health of the person. So we layer in those utilizing actually a certified setting where this is a collaboration next for neighbors is being developed with um, the Arc of Westchester. Uh, and Next for Autism is, is providing the consultation uh, and uh, curriculum content. Um, that's what my primary role has been, uh, as well as developing uh, a program that can be replicated, um, you know, over and over, hopefully within the state of New York as we build capacity to do that here. Um, it's, it's trying to take a take something that typically, again, you know, with certified settings having been done in congregate settings to, you know, take that and, and you know, bring it down to uh, a more intimate focus where um, the home is uh, conducive of someone's immediate needs, individual needs, and, and their, their preferences. It's so interesting. It, it sounds almost like, a, like you've taken the two that you described before, the congregate living and the self-directed services um, or non-certified settings, and kind of melded, <laughs> melded them in a way through this professional family teaching model. Um, do you have any up and running, or is this still conceptual? Uh, so uh, we do have two homes that have uh, one has gone through a certification process and one is in the middle of the certification process, uh, and hopefully will both be operational in the near future. Well, that is so exciting. Um, so I'm not. We have to wrap up. I'm just not sure what to tell people. That, mm-hmm. I mean, are, can people find out more if their family's listening? Do you want? Are, are people contacting you to learn more about these opportunities and how they can get more information? Is there? Yeah. Uh, okay. So why don't you throw <laughs> that out there you? in terms of how, how do how do people <laughs> get in touch? Absolutely. So I encourage people to visit our our website nextforautism.org. Uh, Is that N E X T or N? N-E-X-T. What's next? Next for Autism. Okay, nextforautism.org. And there's a section there on Next for Neighbors. We have an info at, and I can guarantee you that Brad and or I will be responding to anybody that wants additional information about what this you know professional family teaching model could look like and what our vision is. We're incubating it and looking forward to disseminating. That is really cool. Um, so uh, I will definitely go check that out because I'd like to learn more. Um, we don't have any more time in this interview to talk w- more detail, but I would encourage our listeners to check out nextforautism.org um, and then go to Next for Neighbors to hear more and learn more about what Brad was just talking about. And also, just I just want to thank you both because it's really nice to reconnect and hear about um, the continuation of this good work. I, I, these discussions, I know, have been going on for quite a long time. It's certainly not an easy task or, um, you know, but it does take innovation and creativity and certainly collaboration. So I'm a huge fan of that to make um, new ideas come to fruition. So congratulations. And I look forward to hearing more um, as you guys continue. Brad Walker and Patricia Wright from Next for Autism. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week.
Hey Hudson Valley, a movement's taking shape to optimize the quality of life for people with autism, and you can be a part of it. Thanks to the Think Differently initiative, Anderson Center for Autism has trained over 100 businesses and organizations to become autism-supportive environments. Duchess is the first of its kind autism-supportive county, and the village of Rhinebeck the first autism-supportive community. Get your group the training needed to make a heartwarming impact on countless lives. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. 